one of the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be in the house of God, isn't it? Amen. It's really the first real cold day we've had. We've been blessed this year. We've had so much warm weather, so much nice times, but you know, nature is nature. It does kick in after a while and it gets cold, but we thank the Lord we have a place to come and worship. Amen. He's always provided our needs. Amen. God bless you and happy to see the visitors that are here and good to see the Vanderlees twins reunited again this morning. That means Brother William is here as well. God bless you, Brother William. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together and turn to the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis, chapter 1. Amen. Brother Moses is in Grand Prairie this morning, and he's ministered last night, had a good service, and he's ministering there again this morning. And Brother Ed is enjoying some time with his family down the Lower Mainland. So he was able to sneak down there and surprise them. Nobody knew he was going except for him and a couple of us. But thank the Lord we all need to get away once in a while. But uh, just pray for me. My voice is not all here this morning. About Thursday, Satan attacked me with a cold that I think many have been battling. But, uh, you know, we're more than an overcomer. Doesn't matter what Satan throws at us, the blood of Jesus is still more powerful. Amen. I'm just got something a little extra this morning to look forward to a body change, that's all. So, amen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 10 says, And God called the dry land earth and gathered together of this waters called the sea, called he seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yield, yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Amen. Let's turn over to chapter 2, if you will. I just want you to notice in that scripture, just as a background or a foundation for this morning, every seed bring forth of its kind. All of nature declares it's not the fruit tree suddenly starts sprouting grass. It's the fruit trees bring forth after its own kind. And every seed bring forth of its kind. If an acorn goes in the ground, it doesn't bring forth an elm tree. It brings forth an oak tree. It brings forth after its own kind. 
Amen. It's Satan's perversion that tries to bring things from other things and different hybrid of, of seed and hybrid of human beings, but that's Satan's Eden. God's nature testifies every seed bring forth of its own kind. Now in chapter 2, if we jump down to verse 21, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God has taken, had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And she, called, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We love your word, Lord. Father, it is pure. It's unadulterated. Lord, it's not a hybrid seed. It's not going to bring forth something it doesn't say that it is. But, Father, exactly as you promised it, you will fulfill it. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you this morning, that you've made a way for us to come into your presence, Lord. That you said if two or three would be gathered in your name, you'd be, ga you'd be there in the midst of them. And, Father, we're here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, Lord, you would be here with us, Father, covered by the blood of Jesus. That, Lord, anything that has hindered us, anything that has uh, pulled us out of your presence, Lord, we relinquish it now. We don't want anything that would hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit this morning. Father, but we want that you would have the full preeminence in the service, that you would speak, Lord, to the hearer of the word. Lord, that you would anoint me, the speaker, Lord, to speak, but, Father, also the hearer, Lord, that it would be, Lord, a re reception, Lord, straight from the throne of God down into the good soil of our hearts, Lord, that, Father, you would bring forth fruit after its own kind. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. We commit it to you. And Lord Jesus, we relinquish our own control now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats if you would like as we turn also in your, in your Bible over to the book of John. John chapter 17. I want this morning, perhaps we'd just speak a little subject on supreme deity veiled in mortal flesh. Supreme deity veiled in mortal flesh. I have a few scriptures just to lay a foundation and then we'll get into the message. But how many came expecting this morning? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You get what you expect. So if you didn't come expecting this morning... I'm sorry that you didn't come expecting, because you won't get anything, unless you can start expecting right now. It's not too late. Amen. John chapter 17, verse 20 says this. He says, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. 
through their word, not just through his word, through their word. He's the high priest of our profession. If you say you believe, you begin to confess you're a Christian. He says, those that come and begin to confess, begin to profess, I'm a Christian, I believe, I believe the word of God. He says, I'm praying for those too. So now he says, that they may be one. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. How's the world going to believe that they that the Father sent the Son because of you, that you may be one in him. See, one in the Spirit. Amen. And he says, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Amen. As we read the first verse in verse 20, he's praying this about you. About you that come and believe and you that have confessed your faith in Jesus Christ, which is now by faith you are saved through grace, right? You, you, by, by not of any works, not of anything we've done, but he died on the cross, he shed his blood, and you professed your faith in that. That's what brought you to water baptism, all of those things. He says, I'm praying for you that you would be one even as I and the Father are one. That you would be one in the spirit. We know many denominations down through the ages have taken this the wrong direction. Hutterites, Mennonites, they wanted to all be one in themselves and pool their money and live on a place together. And we'll all be like one people. But that's not it. It's one in the spirit as the Father and the Son were one. Amen. But he says, and I in them, verse 23, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Amen. Not perfected in many or not I myself can be perfected, but this is how you're going to be perfected. So I thought the, the, the ministry, the fivefold ministry, that was for our perfecting. Yeah, to get you in one mind, in one accord, so that you could be perfected in one spirit. It says, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me as thou hast loved me. And hast loved them, sorry, as thou hast loved me. Amen. It's not different. It's not a lesser love. The same love that he showed his son. And it pleased the father that he should chastise him. That he should nail him to a cross. So, oh, I got trials, Brother Andrew. It pleased the father. And the same love that he loved the son is the same love he loves the wife of the son. He says, and, the, and, and Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that, thou may, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Amen. That's a beautiful promise because it says it's the same love. It's not a different, not later, not before, not after. No, before the foundation of the world, he loved you. Yeah. Praise the Lord because we were born in sin. We were shaped in iniquity. We came to this world speaking lies, but he didn't love us then. He loved us before the foundation of the world. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He wrote our names on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Not now because we'd we surely be lost, but he chose us then. But he says, oh, righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Amen. Amen. Let's just go back a chapter or two here, back to John chapter 15. 
Amen. This is a phenomenal portion of Scripture. If you want to, when you go home, study this portion of Scripture because from about John chapter 13 and verse uh, 30, I believe it is, yeah, 30, that Judas leaves the room. Separated from unbelief. The unbelief leaves the room. Judas is gone. Now after that, from the rest of John 13, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17, he's just talking to 11 of them. He's just talking to the believers. He's just talking to these ones saying, these words are saying, I've prayed for these ones and, and all of these scriptures. And he begins to go through and he begins to speak to them in parables and saying, a little while and you shall see me, a little while you will not. And, and then uh, a little while you'll see me again, but they won't see me. And they, they begin to say, what are you talking about? Some of them understood, the scripture says. Peter, James, and John who were there on Mount Transfiguration, they understood, but the other ones didn't quite understand. So he began to speak to them very plainly. When they said, show us the Father, he began to speak to them very plainly. I've been so long with you, you have not seen the Father. Why? Unbelief had gone. He said, God, I want you to speak to me very plainly. God's word calls for a total separation, Brother Branham preached the service, from unbelief. That's when God can really deal with an individual and can really speak to you like he spoke to Moses and like he spoke to Brother Branham and like he spoke to these ones. Why? Because they separated themselves from unbelief. They got away from the the things of the world. They got away and, and sanctified themselves to God. And even the way he would speak to Jesus Christ himself. How did Jesus speak to God? He prayed. That's exactly right. He prayed. Why? To stay in touch with himself. Praise the Lord. There's a paradox. I love it. But that's the same way it is with us. You pray to do what? To stay in touch with who? Who you really are. But now he speaks to them very plainly. And in John chapter 15, in verse 26, he says, And when the Comforter has come, whom I will send... Unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. Now catch that, it's the Spirit of truth. It's not just the truth. And it's not just the Spirit. Amen. There's a balance. It's the Spirit of truth. We don't want to just get legalistic on this side and say it's just the Word. But we also don't want to get just over here on the media and say it's just the Spirit. As long as you're born again, as long as you've got an anointing on you, you're okay. No, it's got to line up with the truth. It's the Spirit of truth. It brings them both together. In the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Let me ask you, which one of those 11 were with him from the beginning? Not one of them was with him from the beginning of his ministry. If you go back into Luke, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, and Luke chapter 4, Luke begins to describe how Jesus came in the temple, and he took the scroll, and he began to read and preach the acceptable year of the Lord, and he began to read about his ministry. He had not yet called one of his disciples. That was the beginning of his ministry now, and he begins to preach in this way. And then he begins, one comes into the synagogue filled with evil spirits and begins uh, begins to say things to him, and he casts out the evil spirits. Not one of his disciples were there. They weren't even called yet till the next chapter in Luke, Luke chapter 5. 
But we find what happened. None of them were with him, but yet they were with him from the beginning as he spoke. You that were with me in the beginning. In the beginning when God created the heavens and earth. Because I've prayed for these ones that I've loved before the foundation of the world. The ones that were always in me. The ones that were with me from the beginning. You didn't just come into this message at a certain time. But it was a calling home like the eagle Brother Branham would talk about. The eagle that was caught up in the chicken yard, right? He was there, but it wasn't his home. He wasn't born there. The egg was laid in the eagle's nest. Amen. But the farmer took it and he brought it down to the to chicken coop and he raised it with the chickens. But one day the mother eagle began to come over and scream. And he began to, when he'd been taught to look down, he began to hear something that said, look up. Because you're not from this earth, you're from another place. Amen. There's a, you've got a home, an origin that goes back beyond even the earth. Because you were with him in the beginning, from the beginning. Praise be to God. That you were in him, that you were there. We can read about John, John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. The Word, that you were a part of him. Because you are, oh, we're going to get ahead of ourselves. Romans 8 and verse 29 begins to talk about it and say that the, he who he's predestinated, who he's foreknown, he's predestinated, he's called them, he's justified them, he's sanctified them, he's, the one, he's already glorified them. Why? Because you are already with him. Praise be to God. What we're doing down here is we're just living out, proving his election is true. That he doesn't make any mistakes. Praise be to God. He's an infinite God. Hallelujah. Brother Branham says this. He says, Jesus, oh, they, that they might be one, Father, as you and I are one. Not, not, not for some man to be over something. It'll never work. One denomination wants to take over another or something, or one church wants to say, we're the church. We'll just update it to you today in the message. One church wants to say, you've got to come to end time, or you've got to come to this one, you've got to come to that one. That's not it. He says, but that you might be one with God like Christ and God are one. That's what the prayer is, that he was the word. And Jesus prayed that we might be the word, reflecting him. That's his prayer to be answered. See, like the sun and the moon is a type of it. The moon reflects the sun. It doesn't have a light of its own. So does the bride not have a light of her own. We're a reflection of what he's already done. Praise be to God that he is the sun, the S-O-N, that shone out. Praise be to God. And because it's vindicated, it is a light that shines out to us that we can then reflect it back to the world. So see how Satan tries to scruple it up in the carnal mind. But that wasn't Jesus' prayer at all, that we would all just congregate together and all have certain creed and so forth. Every time they do it, they go farther from God. He wants us to be one with God. God is the word. Each individual in his heart must be one with God. Amen. See, here comes the individuality. When each individual becomes one with God, then together you become one. 
Because as you become one with God, one in the spirit with God, in communion, then there becomes a connection with your brother over here who's one with God. Because you're in the same spirit. You're in the same God. You're in the same Holy Spirit. You're under the same anointing. You're under the same message. And it brings you together so that now you can become one. How can two dwell together unless they agree? Amen. How do you agree? You can agree in the spirit. There might be even two of us here that have different terminology or we'd say something a little bit differently. It doesn't matter in that way. What he's talking about is that you are in the spirit, that there is an agreement there because there's the same spirit in you that's in your brother. See, God, knowing that all these things worked out like this, now that's how we find God sometimes is to look in nature. See, the season's rotating around. It proves God. That's where I first found it. Amen. That's where life comes up in the spring. It lives, it lives its life, produces a seed, dies, goes to the ground, comes back in the resurrection. It just revolves around. See, now nature speaks of it. The same seed that went in the ground is the same seed that comes up again. The same Jesus that went down is the same Jesus that comes back. And this body, when it falls in the ground, it's not going to come back a flower or something. It comes back a man or a woman. We see it in nature how it does as it goes through the cold winters and rots and so forth. But the life is preserved if there's any life in it. Praise be to God. So here's he's been talking about exactly what we read in Genesis 1 and 10 to, to, to 11 or 12, where we find that here is, here's every seed bring forth of its kind. It's not as the oriental religions like to, like to think it, where you know you die and you become reincarnated in a mosquito, or you become reincarnated in a fly or a flower or something like that could be your ancestor or something. That's foolishness. But every seed brings forth of its kind. Every seed, when a, when a tree dies and goes down, the roots come down. It doesn't come back a different tree. When the flower dies goes down, it doesn't come back a different flower. When the grass goes down and dies in the winter, it doesn't come back. All of a sudden, it's a great big tree. No, it's the same old grass again. Why? Because it produces the same seed that it always was. So is it with you, you that were in him with from the beginning? It doesn't come back a different seed. It doesn't come back something else. If it was God in the beginning, it'll be God in the end. If it was God before the foundation of the world went out of the Almighty, the Elohim came the Logos, and there was Jesus in the form of the Logos that began to speak. Oh, church. Tonight we want to speak on, if the Lord's willing, we want to speak on tonight the, the, the blending of the negative to the positive. Don't miss that. It's going to be good. Not because of me, because oh, I've been rejoicing all weekend just in the message. And I was listening to that song. You, you guys sing it here. I think you guys even do a better job than they do in the, in the version I listen to, or the recording I have, but of Psalms 34. That, that, that worship song, magnify the Lord with me. Come exalt his name. There's a part in here that says, oh, my innocence. Show the devil my innocence. <laughs> Where's my innocence from? Not because of me. Oh, I'm guilty as guilty can be, but because of Jesus died on the cross, because of his blood, I'm innocent. I can shove it back in the face of the devil and say, I'm innocent. I never did that in the first place. Hallelujah. That wasn't me in the first place. You got to go back further than that, devil. You're only talking about my natural birth. I had another one because I was born in an eagle nest way back before the foundation of the world, and I was the word back there, so I'm going to bring back the same original seed oh the spoken word is the original seed now let's get to that where you talk about brother 
Branham says in the message, Harvest Time in December of 1964, he says, now go back to Genesis, which is the beginning. Genesis means the beginning. We find that God gave his family eternal life as long as they stayed in the word. Adam and Eve had eternal life. They couldn't die. They were forever young as long as they stayed in the word. As long as they lived by the word of God. But when they broke it, just one link in the chain of his promises, death struck them, which was a promise also. Says it's a chain. You're hanging over hell with it. That's the only thing that'll carry you through when the believer becomes a make-believer and lives on one word that's contrary to the word. He cuts his fellowship with God. One link broke. Remember, your faith in this word is like a chain. And a chain is only strongest at its weakest link. That's me. There ain't no weak links in here. But the weak link is me trying to hang on and trying to get it misconstrued and say, oh, it doesn't mean that. It means this. Or I don't believe that word. Or that's not really for me. That's why we got to take. And why even when I witness to somebody, I say, listen, I'm just a believer of the Bible. I believe everything the Bible taught. And begin to lead them through that way and begin to teach them that way. And then when they begin to ask certain questions, well, of course, because God sent a prophet. Like the Bible said. Not because of, oh, God said, oh, God, oh, there's many prophets that, that came. The Mormons got one, this one's got one, that one's got one. But there's one that the Bible talked about in the last days that would come according to Malachi 4, that would come according to Revelations 10 and 7, that would reveal all the mysteries of God. That's the one I'm looking to. Why? Because it's the Bible. It says it's a chain, it's strongest at its weakest link. That's right. That's all it'll hold. If there's something in the word that's puzzling you, something you don't, you've heard different, maybe say, oh, them was for the apostles or days gone by or something. But when the scripture said Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, don't let that be your weakness. Don't let that be your weakness. Brothers dressing manly and not all sissified, don't let that be your weakness. Sisters trying to dress like men or trying to dress all sexy like, don't let that be your weakness. Why? Because the scripture says, be of a modest apparel. The scripture says to dress uh, modestly. The scripture says not to wear clothes pertaining to a man. Oh, don't let those things be your weakness. Brothers, you ought to be the headship in your own home. Sisters, you ought to be subject to your husbands. Don't let that be your weakness. The chain is only as strong as its weakest link that you want to turn around and say, oh, but Brother Andrew, I'm not able to live at all. No, you're not, and neither am I. But the blood of Jesus Christ, praise God, that I can trust in him, that when I make a mistake, I can get on my knees. When I say something cruel to my children, I can take them in my arms and say, I'm sorry, that was wrong. When I misuse my wife, I can take her in my arms and say, honey, I'm sorry. That was a mistake. I ought not to have said that. I ought not to have done that. Why? Because it's Jesus. He's the one living in me, living it out through me. It's his light in the first place. Fortify it. Your weakest link, fortify it. Hold it. Wrap your life into the gospel because that's the only thing that'll take you over the flames of hell. When the chain broke, Adam and Eve, the first family, now remember they didn't break a sentence, right? They didn't break three words. They didn't even break two words. They broke one word. 
Man shall hang over hell by every word. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. That's where man's eternal destination is determined. Oh my. Now I have to balance this and go into the covenant. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 15. I want you to listen close now, especially young people. Listen close to this. because As I was just studying this weekend, I thought, man, I've never understood the covenant like this before. This is beautiful. Here in Genesis chapter 15, we'll read, start reading at verse 9. It says, and he said unto him, God said to Abraham, take, take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Oh, my. Three years old. Christ's ministry was three and a half years. Take them of three years old. Why was this so particular? God's scriptures can't be broken. They just run right through. He says, and take a turtle dove, take a young pigeon. And he took them all these and he divided them in the midst. And he laid each piece against one another. But the birds he didn't divide. Type of Christ and his bride. He didn't divide that. You were in him. You're always in him. You're always a part of him. He couldn't take that apart. And he says this, and he took unto him all of these and divided them in the midst and each piece against another. And the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Oh, that's happened through the ages so many times. Where the fowls, denominations, come down to try and eat the word of God. Try and eat away from the promises of God and take away what he did on the cross. And try to make it some kind of a creed, some kind of a dogma. It took a prophet to come and drive the fowls away. It took a prophet to come and drive the fowls away. A messenger to come back and drive the fowls away. And say, no, this word is true. It's unadulterated. It will not be picked apart by the fowls and the vultures and the this and the that and the denominations. It's got to remain pure. But then in verse 12, he says, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham. Now, this is the second time in the scripture this happens. First time God performed surgery when a man called Adam caused a deep sleep to call on him. You ever want to know if God's the great physician? Just go read that scripture. He took out a rib, he sewed up the flesh, immediately woke Adam up. There was no side effects, there was no painkillers, there was nothing. All was well. He just seen the woman there. He called her woman. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. God's such a great surgeon. Yeah. Says, and he said unto Abram, he caused a horror of great darkness to fall upon him. And he said unto Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them 400 years. Excuse me. That, we know that that was the children of Israel down in Egypt. But he says, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. Praise God. What did, what did God instruct Moses to do? So go ask to borrow all their gold, all their jewelry. Just let me borrow. We're going to have a great time tonight. I'm going out for a great time. Just let me borrow all your stuff, all your goods, all your, just let me borrow it. What did they do? They took off with it. They come up with a great substance, substance, two million people. 
And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation shall come, come hither again, and the iniquity of the Amorites, for the, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. But, and it came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. So here we find in verse uh, uh, 17 where it says, and a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. The burning lamp went and passed between the pieces. Brother Bradham would pick this up, but he said God was showing Abraham what he was going to do. Oh my, he, he, down where he took this burning lamp, it represented hell. He said, there's all of hell. Your people are going to be hanging over hell by nothing but a chain. But in that, there's a light. Amen. That there's a light that will go between the pieces. There's a God that will come. That if you can catch the light that he's shining out, if you can catch what he's saying, then it will save you from the smoking furnace, from the burning hell. Praise be to God. It'll save you from those things. See, that God was showing Abraham what he was going to do, that he was going to take Abraham's seed through Isaac down to Jesus, and he took him up on Calvary and tore him apart. He tore the spirit out of him away from the body. I want you to catch this. I'm still talking about the covenant because now this is updated now where Genesis 15 is talking of the natural seed, but it's also typing. It's a type to the anti-type, amen? It's typing the spiritual seed of Abraham where he's saying, listen, we today, we're hanging with just a chain over hell. Just the word of God, just that light is all we have to save us from that smoking furnace. But now he begins to update it. He begins to say, listen, God was showing that even down to Jesus. Well, what happened in Jesus? He brought him to the cross. He nailed him there on the cross and he tore him apart. Think of this. The only scripture that's exactly the same in all four gospels concerning the death of Jesus is where it says, and he cried with a loud voice. Different ones. John says he says something different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke says. But in this, in all of them, it says he cried with a loud voice. What was it? A great anguish, a great pain. Why? God was tearing him apart. It would have been less pain to be torn limb from limb. It would have been. You say, are you sure? Yeah, because he was in so much grief, so much anguish, so much pain that when they stabbed the spear up into his heart, what came out? Water and blood. Separated. If you were to rip my arm off this morning, you'd just see blood. It wouldn't be ripped apart. It wouldn't be a difference of blood and water. No, it would just be blood pouring out. But he was in so much grief. Why? Because the sins of the world was upon him. And there in that state, even though he was still alive, God began to rip the spirit right out of him. Hope you can catch that. Here's a man that lived in the spirit. He was a man, God, he lived so much by the Spirit. He said, I can do nothing but what the Father shows me. He was more alive in the Spirit than he was in the flesh. And God took that and ripped it apart. What a pain. Like a covenant, Brother Branham would say, it's like a covenant like he did with Abraham where you take, they would take the, in the old Orients and they would take like a lambskin, they would write the covenant and they would tear it apart. And then you would have a covenant. That would be your, your, your covenant that you would have if you bring that together and match up perfectly and prove that that was the covenant. Yeah. It's the same way that he says with Jesus, he took the spirit out of him and he tore it out. 
to tore, to tear, means to rip with violence. And he says, and he raised up the body, and he sat on the right hand of the majesty on high, and he sent back the Holy Spirit to the church. That's the covenant of God, tore it apart. Catch that. That'll really help you understand the covenant right there. If you ever have any trouble, what was the covenant? It's two pieces. He took apart the body and the spirit. He ripped it apart. He gave you the spirit, and he put the body up on a high. So let those two, when they come together, we got the spirit, he got the body. When it comes back together, the spirit that was in us joins with him as bride. That's what makes you the bride, praise be to God, because you that were with him, that were in him from the beginning, praise be to God. You were always there, but he tore that out. So that it's the same thing. So when it comes back together, like Esther, when she came into King Ahasuerus or Ahasuerus, when he came out, he held out the scepter. She went up and touched it. It was a recognition. I'm accepted because I'm a part of him. Oh, there is no other acceptance but to be in the Spirit, to be one with Him, even as Son and Father were one. Praise be to God. I was listening on the way here. What is it? It's the Godhead being revealed. That it was all that God was, He poured into Christ, and all that Christ was, He poured into the church, into His bride, the many-membered body of Jesus Christ. It's exactly what He did. But we find what was the Godhead. It wasn't three gods. You know, we're the only ones as message believers that really believe it the way it is. Isn't that phenomenal? You got so many denominations out there that they take it this way or that way. They put a little spin on it this way, a little spin on it. Why? Because they're trying to understand God. But you can't understand God until you're in God. That's why we needed a prophet to come and drive away the fowls. He said, no, I'm understanding this because I'm a part of it. Abraham was a part of the covenant. He says, I'm understanding what's going on here. Get away from here. This is about me personally here. Yeah. Praise be to God. This is a covenant that is about you personally. This is a, the spirit that, that was in Christ that could be in you. It will quicken your mortal body. It's purely unadulterated Holy Spirit birth. That's the covenant. See, when he made a covenant with Adam, if you'll not touch the tree, you'll live forever. Adam broke it. Moses and them, if you keep the commandments, I'll do so and so. If you break the commandments, I'll do so and so. But God makes a covenant with man. Man breaks his covenant with God. But so that the elected, the church, the elected people, those that were with him in the beginning, they called out, the called out, separated group of people would be sure to be saved. God called them by his grace. Not that God could say, I choose you and condemn you. Never. But he's infinite. Oh, we believe he's infinite. Well, when he knowed the, from the beginning, he knowed from the beginning who, what the end would be. How could he know? Because if you were in him in the beginning, he knowed you'd be in him in the end. If you were there in the beginning, he's not looking around saying, I wonder who this one is. No, he says, oh, I recognize you. You were there in the beginning. That's why you're here in the end. 
Praise be to God. That's why there's a recognition. There's something that cries out, a deep calling to the deep. There's a pull. There's something that pushes out, saying, there's, there's something. Oh, like he talked about the, the eagle, where all of a sudden he looked up and said, that's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been wanting to hear. That sounds more like home. That sounds more like my mama. Why? Because that was where he came from. He knows from the beginning what the end would be. That's what the scripture says. He's omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and infinite. What a God to serve. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what your struggles are. He knows your trials. He knows your tribulations. He knows what you struggle with in the scripture. He knows what you have a hard time understanding. He knows those things. He's a God of grace. Amen. He wants only to reveal it to you if we just surrender and say, Lord, what are you trying to say to me here? We quit trying to push our own way and try to say, no, this is the way it is. This is the way it's going to be. It's not going to work. God's covenant with you, it can't be broken. We can't break it. Isn't that beautiful? Adam broke his. All the different ones that God made a covenant, they broke it. But with you, he made a covenant that he tore himself. So I myself will wait here and I'll send myself down here to bring you back. So that what's there is, 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 is the perfect word and what's been sent out is the perfect word. So that when it comes back, it fits perfectly together because it's the word fitting together with the word. It's not something else. It's a man's idea. It's exactly what he said. The spoken word brings you back to the original seed. The original as it was, but the, in the beginning when he was the Logos is the same seed. He's bringing you right back. Oh, I have to skip ahead to that. The word is light when it's vindicated. Until the word it is promised for the day is, is a vindicated, then it's not light. If it's not vindicated, it's not light. That's why in, in Luther's day, they couldn't see all the mysteries. That's why in Wesley's day, they couldn't see all the mysteries. In Irenaeus, all of them, they couldn't see it all. Why? Because it wasn't vindicated yet. It wasn't brought to light yet. He wasn't shining there yet. But now in the last days when it became vindicated that this in fact was the word. Why? How was it vindicated? Because he preached the word. God would come down in signs and wonders and back it up every single time. Sometimes they, oh, right in the middle of a service or he just about get done preaching. Say, let me take the stand. The message of trial. Let me take the stand for a minute. Immediately the gift would come down and he'd begin to stir why? It was God backing it up. This is the truth. Vindicating this is the light. He says, if God said, let there be light, and there no sun came into existence, then there's, there was no sign of light. See, that wouldn't be the word then. If you, if you say, you write some book, or say, I say, let there be light, and there was no light, well, it's not the word then. But he says, the word's vindicated. What was it? That God said, let there be light, and there was light. It vindicated that that is the anointed word. That is the light. It says, in his word it was fulfilled when he was the light of the hour. When he promised Noah and he promised the others and on down, they was the light of the hour. Amen. That's the way it was. He was the light. 
God, the supreme deity. He was the light. He was Jehovah of the Old Testament. He was Jesus of the New Testament. It's the same God, but he reveals himself in different ways. When he came down to Abraham, and he came down as, as Elohim, and the God Almighty, and he began to express himself to Abraham, that was the light of that day. Where he said, I'm going down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. What was the light? He's going to destroy it. But now Abraham began to intercede on their behalf. Because he was of the same spirit. So he began to intercede on the behalf. Why? Because he could enter into what God was saying. Because he was of the same spirit of God. So he began to enter in and begin to say, what are you doing? Like Moses, when, when, when God said, get yourself aside. I'll destroy these people. I'll raise up another nation from you. He was of the same spirit. But he says, hold on a second. Your word says. What will they say of you? When they say God wasn't able to bring this people out. God wasn't able to do these things. So what about you, God? Oh, you're a part of him. There's the light of the hour today. That Jesus Christ, in the power of his resurrection, his word was promised for this day. The works that I do shall you do also. Greater than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. Greater works. I believe it. It seems humble. It seems like it goes over the top of people's head. Look, when he was here on earth, how could you do greater works? I've translated that many times more. But the same thing, greater, he said in St. John 14, 12, greater works than this shall you do. Now, he begins to say this because there's many different quotes you can find where Brother Brown takes and says, oh, that means more works. Oh, that means more works. But this quote right here actually annuls all those. Listen, this is in 1964. In Message Shalom. Go home and read it yourself. He said, did you notice... Listen close. When he went to make water into wine, he took water first, an already created substance, and turned it into wine. When he fed 5,000, he took a fish that once swam in the water, broke it, and handed it out, and multiplied creation. He took bread that was once wheat, baked it into bread, broke it, and hung it, handed it out to the people. It returned back again. He multiplied creation. But in the last days, where there was no sign of creation. He speaks it into creation anyhow. Shows to be the same God that was in the beginning. He could create squirrels. He can create whatever he wants to because he is God. Greater than this shall you do for I go unto my Father. The word is infallible. It has to be manifested. It has to be fulfilled. Greater than this shall you do. Not multiplying but speaking into creation. So now I'll ask you this, is it greater works or is it more works? Because here he's saying when Jesus was here, he took what was already created and he multiplied it and he brought more things out of it and it was wonderful. But he says, but here in Jesus, after unbelief was separated, after Judas was gone, he begins to talk to you. He says, when you were, in the, you were with me from the beginning. Yes. And he begins to talk to them and say, a little while and you won't see me, but then you shall see me. Why? Because I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. I'll be the same God going back to the beginning. He begins to pray and he begins to pray in John chapter 17. Glorify me with the glory that I, that I had before the world. Back to the beginning. And then he says, let these ones hear, but they would also be with me that they would know my glory. What is it? The glory back to the beginning. Not just when he was here, but when he said, let there be and there was. When there was absolutely nothing, but it was spoken into creation out of absolutely nothing. He says, let it be that way. That the same the 
the, the final seed would be the exact same as the seed that was planted in the ground. Praise be to God, the same seed that comes out in a seed bride that would produce the exact same thing again that whatever she would say. You say, oh, there's nothing there to produce it. I, oh. So I don't understand why you're doing this. Show me one scripture where Abraham had it when God said, go down and sacrifice your son. He didn't have any other scripture. He just said, God spoke to me. But he knew God would never break his word. So he said, I also know that God's going to provide for somehow he's going to raise him up from the dead if I got to kill him. Because he promised that this son would be the one that I would be the father of many nations. Praise be to God. There's things happening today, church, that you can't point and put your scripture, point a particular scripture on and say, oh, I see that exactly in the Bible. But it flows completely through. Why? Because it's the word being lived out. This same seed that was there in the beginning that spoke and said, let there be, let there be, let there be is the same one that's speaking today. Let there be a squirrel. Come out and be right here. Let there be a squirrel over here. Let there be this. Ask whatever you say. It shall be done. And the boys of Sister Hattie Wright come and repent it across your lap. Why? Because it's the same one. Right back to the original seed, the spoken word. Not just another word, but he says the ones that will speak, the ones that I pray for those that will, that by their word they believe. That by what you speak you believe. By your confession, by your profession. Who do you say this is? greater works. Turn me to Revelations chapter 1. Brother Branham would say, this is Jesus. He begins to describe his supreme deity. In Revelations 1 and verse 8, he says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Jump down to verse 17, where he says, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and the death. Oh, praise be to God. Lazarus could say, I am he that was alive and was dead and am alive, but he couldn't say forevermore. There's only one that could ever say that, and that was the Lord Jesus, that he raised up in a glorified body. Same body, still had the scars, still had the, 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 the big wound in his side where he said, Thomas, go ahead, put your hand right in there. Same one, was it proving that the bride wasn't with him yet? The bride was taken out of him, torn out of him, and she's still out of him. Because she's taken a rib from his side. 
But he says, now, we find out in the message of Philadelphian church age, he said, I've set an open door. Set before you an open door. I don't care how many man-made organizations come up or denominations, even the gates of hell can't shut it. All the fowls of the air could come and try and pick on it. They can't do it. All of the gates of hell could try and close this door, but they can't close it. He says, only one way to beat it, join it. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's all. You can't, jo you can't join it, though. So you got to be born into it. Amen. Right. And there's nobody ever going to stop the message of supreme deity and the baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. The gates of hell could never prevail against it. You say, how do you know it's right? It's exactly with the word, and no one else can say nothing about it. Exactly, it's the word. Amen. Now, why down through the ages and through so many times, even Wesley didn't have the revelation of true water baptism. I've read some of the writings of Wesley, and he even come and said, be baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. At least he wasn't saying in the titles. He did say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So he got halfway there. But the light wasn't fully on it yet. But here we find that all through these ages, they, they begin to look at, they look at the same scriptures that you and I are looking at. And still men today look at the exact same scriptures and they still get down to Matthew, the end of Matthew there where he says, go be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They still look at that and say, but that's the word of Jesus, man. Therefore, that's the way it's got to be because that's what Jesus said. It's written in red. Don't you see right there? It's red writing in my Bible. They still fight with that. They still go back to others. They say, listen, even John 17, when he prays, I and the Father, the Father and I. And, you know, they're missing the revelation that Jesus is talking about. We are one. See, and Jesus began to, or Brother Brandon began to bring that out, saying, what was it? It was Peter was given the keys yeah. to do what? Open that gate. Yeah. They say, well, how are you going to open that gate? Oh, Jesus uses the words straight. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, he says, did you ever hear him say, go ahead and put that up there. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. Straight, look how that's spelled. S-T-R-A-I-T, not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. Why? Because what's a straight? A straight is a stream of water. Enter you in at the straight gate. The water gate. At what? Water baptism. True water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, that's the gate. Because you know other places where he says, I am the door to the sheepfold. I'm the gate. I'm the one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What's he saying? He says, I'm that gate. I'm the one. All these ones down through the ages, they're missing the revelation of what the gate is to even get in. But Peter caught it right away in the day of Pentecost. Why did he catch it? Because the Holy Ghost fell. The spirit of truth fell. He got in the same spirit that Jesus was in. He got in the same spirit when Jesus said, go be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. He just got in that same spirit. He said, oh, that's exactly what he's talking about. Go be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of sin because that's the gate. I'm opening it up to you now and nobody can close it. Praise be to God for the mission of sin that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Water is the gate in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ entering in. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, John chapter 10. Let's actually turn to that. John chapter 10 and verse 7. 
quoted it to you quickly, but there's a part in here I need. It says, And verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever come before me was thieves and robbers. Many of them came and said, oh, this is the way. A thief stealing your soul. A robber. I know the way. I got the way. He says, I'm the door. But the sheep did not hear them. Praise God. My sheep know my voice. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Praise be to God. He shall go in and out and find pasture, and the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Praise be to God. That's exactly what he did. He gave his life for the sheep for you and I. But now he says you can come, and those that come into the door, you can go in and out. You've come in to the door. You've come in through water baptism, but now you're in. But you can go in and out. You can go in and out. You can, you, can, you can be in his presence. You can be out of his presence. That's not saying you're saved and you're not saved. That's saying you can be in his presence. You can be out of his presence. But you still have gone through the water once. You still have been baptized with the Holy Spirit once. It's many fillings, one baptism. He says, but as the Father has sent me. Are you with me still? So send I you. Jesus said, see, now watch. The Father that sent him went in him to vindicate himself, right? For he was the word. And that same Jesus now sends you, goes with you and in you to vindicate the same God. Now, the word is not the light until it's vindicated, What's he saying? He's saying, Jesus, it was the Father in Jesus that came to vindicate the word. And the same Jesus that sent you now goes in you to do what? To vindicate or to bring light to the word. Amen. It's like brother was preaching on, on Wednesday. You know, this, this gospel wasn't meant to be on pages in message books, in Bible form. It was meant to be living epistles. How is, it, how, how is the word of God interpreted? It's manifested. Yeah. How is it manifested? Through lives. Yes. Lived for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Lived by the spirit of God. So send I you, so I'll send you, and you live by me. What is he? He's the word. You live by the word. Wow. He says, oh, I'd like to take a text on that and just preach on it a couple hours. You guys got a couple hours? We'll be back tonight. Don't worry. He says, but notice, and the Father that sent me with him, the Father that sends, and Jesus that sends us goes in. A little while, he says, and the world won't see me no more, yet you shall see me, for I, personal pronoun, I, Jesus, will be with you, even in you to the end of the world. These works, the works that you do, greater works. Now go back and see what he done. And see what you do and compare yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go back and see what Jesus did and see, is he really in me? What am I doing? What did he do? Am I really living the life? Because I'm called to live by him, to live through him, 
He's living his life through me. I'm just a reflection. I'm just the moon over here reflecting. We've got too many total eclipses. Let me carry on so we can just get through a little bit here. I don't want to keep you too long this morning. Jesus has given us now in the Laodicean church age, Brother Brown says the church age book, he says Jesus has given us a description of himself in relation to the last age. The days of grace are winding up. Remember the scripture we read, Hebrews, or Hebrews, uh, Revelations 1 verse 8. It says, I am the Alpha, the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. He which was, which is, which is and is to come. I'm that one. But now he says in the last days, he begins to give a description of himself. The days of grace winding up. That's the day we're living in. The days of grace are winding up. He's slowly getting faster and faster. But he looked from the first century through to the 20th, 21st, and told us all these things concerning these ages. Before he reveals the characteristics of the last age, he gives us one final look of his own gracious and supreme deity. Now, this is a description now of supreme deity, of who Jesus is, because Jesus is supreme deity. He is the I am. He said, I am the one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The same one we believe it, we know it, amen. The same one that walked with him in the Garden of Eden. The same one that came down and was in the pillar of fire for the children of Israel. The same one that appeared in a burning bush and said, I am that I am. The same one that was there. He's the ark that was there that saved them through the tribulation. He's the one. He's the supreme deity. He's Jehovah of the Old Testament. He's Jehovah Jireh that provided the lamb. He's Jehovah Nissi, our banner. He's all of these things. What is it? He's the same God today, Jesus Christ, that he came on earth in the corporal body. He's the same God in a different uh, dispensation, the dispensation of the Son now in Jesus Christ. But now it's a different dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And we are now in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit in the bride of Jesus Christ, which is producing the same thing back to the original, taking us back, pulling us back home. That's a lot in a few sentences, sorry. But he begins to give it here where he says, thus saith the amen. If you go ahead and and read it through in the Laodicean church age, thus saith the amen. Jesus is the amen of God. In other words, Jesus is the so let it be. Amen stands for finality, it stands for approval, it stands for prevailing promise, it stands for unchanging promise, it stands for the seal of God. Notice as Jesus is beginning to say, saying, I am the Alpha, I am the Omega. I am the one who spoke, let there be, and I am the Amen. I am the one that says, so let it be. I am the one who put the word out, and I'm the one who will bring it to pass. As Hebrews 1 says, that God and Son dried time in diverse manners. What is it? At different times and in different ways. He spoke to his prophets. He spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He spoke in this way in many different ways, but hath in these last days spoken unto us by what? The Son. Wasn't just another speaking of a prophet. There were many years where the prophet was speaking, but then it came the Son of Man. The Son began to speak himself through the seals, and he began to reveal what? Himself. Now, we'll just close on this quote, so just stay with me. 
There you are. The bridegroom spirit dwells in the bride. When God made his first bridegroom, he made the bridegroom first. And he was both man and woman in spirit. Formed him in the dust of the earth to make him material. And notice when he made Eve from Adam, he took not another piece of clay. He took from the same piece of clay, the same word, for Adam was a spoken word. What was Jesus Christ? Was he just, you know, a conception of a man and a woman? No. He was a spoken word that God came down and said, Thou art highly favored. The Holy Ghost will overshadow you. You'll have a child. You will call his name Jesus. He'll be Emmanuel. He'll be the Prince of Peace. He'll be the Son of God. What is all these things? It's got nothing to do with, a, with Mary. It had nothing to do with Joseph. He was a spoken word baby. He's the way it was supposed to be in the first place. Because the sinful act, you were born in sin, that speaks of the conception. But now, here Jesus, he's a spoken word. And as we talked about the covenant, right? What happened? He was torn out. The spirit and the flesh were torn apart. He sent the spirit to you to say what? You're a part of what? The spoken word. Not a different word, not a different clay. Not say, well, I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Praise be to God, he happened to speak to me and everything's wonderful. You're the same word that he was where he said, you're highly favored. The Holy Ghost will overshadow you. So are you because you're a part of him and the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. So the bride must be Flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. Then how is this mortal flesh going to become his flesh? Well, that seems like a real conundrum, doesn't it? He says, but we'll get to it in a minute. He says, now he uses Romans chapter 8, which is now if the spirit of him, God, that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, it will raise, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. By his spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh my, the predestined one, of course, like the seed that laid in the earth. The one that had life in them. The seeds that had life. Many of them were dead. They were just rotten seeds. The waters and things burnt them out. But, you know, there was a seed laying there that was ready for life. God knowed it was laying there. Oh, even if it's just come down, if you go down and you bury a seed and you dig it up a little while later, you might not even find it. It's so rotted in there, it's become like the dirt. You can search there all you want, it's not there anymore. But yet it is there. The life is there, and God knows it's there. You might have been that way in your life where you could look at it back in your own sinful state and say, Oh, there was no way in the world I thought there was a seed of God in me. And there's plenty of them, I believe, still out there today. Uganda's going through a great revival right now, different places, and one's being saved. And it's still happening here where there's ones coming in and being saved. Why? Because they might be so rotten and so dirty and so low and tattooed up, all sleeve up one arm. And you might look at that and say, there's no way there's a seed in there. But God knows. 
Hallelujah. You might look somewhere and say, there's no way that's the seed of God. It's not for you to tell because you might search and pull back every facet of their life and say, this is just a rotten old sinner. But if God said, there's a seed, there's a seed. <laughs> and the predestinated ones are the first to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit comes to claim his own. See, now this is deep, but be sure to catch it. He says, now, the sign that was sent across the earth, not to bring rocks, which was dirt also, to life. It was not to bring all the dirt to life. It wasn't there to quicken rocks. But he says, oh, if you don't cry out, well, the rocks and the stones will. What is he saying? I'm God. It's possible. But that wasn't the purpose. He's saying, but to bring the part of the dirt which was enclosed around the life. Not all men will receive Christ. Oh no, but those which God foreordained life is housed around some of the dirt of the earth. That's the ones he's come to quicken. They're the ones. Let me finish this quote and then I'll say it. It says, now that the dirt, would, would, the dirt would lie there in the sun and say, oh, this old sun is so hot. The rock would say, this old sun is so hot. But the little seed said, that's what I'm looking for. It brings and springs forth life. It quickened that part of the dirt. It quickened that part of the dirt. Because the sun had not yet quickened. Had, the sun was not sent to quicken the rock. Not to quicken the dirt. But to quicken the life of the seed. Now the Holy Spirit comes now of course. Why don't all people receive it? Because it wasn't for them. It wasn't for the rocks and all the dirt, but he says there's some. Why? Because there's a seed in there that might have been so rotten, you couldn't find it anywhere. But the life comes down and quickens the dirt around that seed. It shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Praise be to God. You say, oh, there's a seed, God, in me. And the seed's quicken, brother, but I'm just a Canadian. No. It's quickening the dirt all around it, too. It's bringing that to life. Why? You can't stop but worship and shout and call out. Why? Because it's a quickening power. And it has such an effect. Well, praise be to God. That's to you that have been born again. To you that have been born again. But you say, listen, I'm struggling with things in my spirit. I'm struggling with things in my flesh. That doesn't mean you're not born again. The seed's been quickened. But it's not just for the seed. It has to have an effect on the spirit. The spirit doesn't get born again. There's no, there's no regeneration of the spirit, regeneration of the flesh. No, no, that's got to be changed in the moment of twinkling of an eye. But the soul, amen, is what becomes the life of Christ. It becomes Christ even here. Oh, you start your transformation right here, church. Quotes I was reading, I can't remember them right now, but oh, I wish I had a better memory. God is so good that He put a seed in you and He quickened that seed, but it would be so much life that it would have an effect on your spirit and would clean out the spirit, would clean out the flesh. Stop it doing those evil things. Stop it looking at those terrible things. Stop it saying those dirty things. Why? Because there's a quickening of the seed and it has an effect on the dirt around about because that seed has become so much a part of you. I'll just say it and prime the prompt for tonight. That it's come to a point where the negative and the positive have been blended together. 
till you can't tell the difference anymore. He was, oh, it's just the flesh, it's just other so and so. No, it's the spirit of an almighty God that's so taken over his life. You just can't tell the difference anymore. Oh, let me be that one. Let you be that one. Say, I'm going back. I was there in the beginning. The one he said, let there be. I'm the same one today. The same God living through me. You're going to call for it one day. By revelation. By your own life, you're going to call for it. Let there be a body change. It's by the spoken word. We're just so busy waiting for some happen chance, wonderful heaven and clouds in the sky and trumpets blowing and everything's wonderful. And da, 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 body change. Woo, here we go. That's fairy tales. But it's by the spoken word that a bride begins to recognize who she is. And she begins to call for it herself. She begins to cry out. Because the spirit and the bride, they're not saying two different things. They're saying the same thing. That it was the spirit in Paul that said, we which are alive and remain. Oh, we won't hinder them which are dead, but they'll be, they'll be, they'll raise up, they'll come, and we'll have a reunion with them, and we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. What a wonderful time it will be. Oh, but who's going to call for it? You which are alive, and those which are dead, the great cloud of witnesses that are encamped about you. Why are they rooting for you so hard? Because they without us cannot be made perfect. Why? Because they're waiting on you to call it out. Death has silenced their voices, but death cannot silence yours because you've already chosen death to self. Oh, my. Let's stand to our feet. I'm preaching to you tonight's service now. God, forgive me. Let the negative be done away with. When you put something in a blender, you put a bunch of things in there. Maybe you like your, your healthy smoothies. The John Annie's, your kale smoothies. Your kale and your carrots and your this and your that. But when you blend it all up, you're not drinking it going, oh, I taste that. Oh, yeah, I taste it. Oh. It's, it's different taste, but it's all kind of together. You don't look at the glass and go, oh, yeah, I see it in there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see the carrot. No, you don't. You're a liar. You don't see that carrot in there. It's done blended up. So is it when you're looking at your brother saying, oh, there goes brother so-and-so again. What are you looking at? You're looking at the flesh at the hinder part? Oh, Brother Ed preached on it so good last time. That's what that older brother was looking at so much. That faithful older brother. When the prodigal son come home, he was so busy looking at the flesh. Don't you know what he did? Don't you know what he done? But the father says, I'm not looking at that. He's a part of me. He come back to me. Oh, and I believe the older brother began to catch that revelation. Because he was faithful and the father began to turn to him. You that have been faithful, you have not been forgotten. Because <laughs> he said, all that I have is thine. 
See, oh, Brother Andrew, I never did backslide. I never did go out in the world. Blessed are you. All that he has is yours. Don't go looking at the hinder part and say, oh, Brother so-and-so, he's that way because he came from this background and he's this one and he's that one. God, forgive us. God, forgive me for looking at it that way when we can look at it and say, no, that's the spirit of God in them. Why, blessed are you that have not done those things. You didn't come from those backgrounds. You're born into this message. Those of you that as soon as you heard the truth, you came running. Then you've been faithful ever since. God bless your heart. All that I have is thine. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Every message, every quote, every line, everything that he has. We're not going to sing that. It's okay. We're going to sing this original life. The original life. The original seed, the original word. The original God that spoke out in the beginning. It's what you got today. God bless you, Brother Fulkerson. It's the same one. It's the same God today. You're here, so I'll say it. It's on my mind. It's the same God that healed a brother, a pastor in Calgary of cancer, but said, but it's still his time. I'm taking him home anyways. Went home a healthy man. What a God. The same one that's there that we prayed and we sent out after a sister Siller that's going down for surgery. He's the same God. She's going to have surgery to remove cancer. But God's a great surgeon. So I got to go under the knife. Oh, God failed to promise he didn't heal me. No, God's a great surgeon. He's more than able. He's more than able. That chain that's hanging over hell, it's only as strong as its weakest link. Too many times we turn around and say, oh, it wasn't a miracle. It's not of God. No, divine healing is a process. It takes time. Sometimes it might take a doctor for you oh, to humble yourself. Say, so, right, we get so lifted up in pride sometimes. I'm a message believer. Uh, God said, no, sometimes we humble ourselves and say, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? He'll never fail you. He'll never forsake you. He said he'd be with you even in you to the end of the world. He's never failed that. He's never fallen short of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's attributes. You are manifested. Would you help me, Brother John? Scriptures 
say and our names are seen within redeemed and perfect without sin yes we are anointed and inspired by our god who's the original life the original life the original seed the original word is what i Praise the Lord. Don't you just love the Lord? He that promised. Oh, Abraham, when he received this covenant, he didn't count his own body into it. He, against hope, believed in hope. It might look hopeless. You might be looking at it and saying, Lord, I don't know how this is all going to happen. But it's going to happen. Against hope, he believed in hope. Considering not the deadness of his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider any of those things. He considered one thing, and that was the promise. What are we considering? Are we busy looking at ourselves and saying, oh, God, maybe I, I'm not able. Maybe I'm not the one. Maybe this, maybe that's carried on so long. Maybe we're looking at time. No. Just consider the promise. He's able. Why are we hanging overhead with a chain like that? Why? Because it's not just a chain. It's a scarlet thread. Yeah. Amen. That you're hanging on to it. The blood of Jesus Christ. It's not based on my own strength and my own ability. It's based on him. Now he tied it around me. Said, oh, he'll pull me through. He's holding on to me. It's not just me holding on to him. He's holding on to me. 
Oh, praise be to God. It's not that I, he's got, I got, I got all of daddy. No, daddy's got all of me. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus got all of me. Praise be to God. He that has the bride is the bridegroom. Yeah. Not he that has the bridegroom is the bride. No, he that has the bride. He's got us. He's holding us. He's keeping you. He's holding. Hallelujah. 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 